Welcome to Abergavenny Baptist Church, building faith and friendship. What is your picture of heaven? What is your picture of the age to come when Jesus will return and, and put everything to right? What comes to mind? What, what do you imagine? Do you imagine everyone floating on a cloud, playing a harp? Or do you imagine one long, boring church service that will go on for all eternity? The way Jesus describes it is as a banquet. It's going to be a massive dinner party. Doesn't that sound great? I mean, who doesn't like a, a, a big dinner party, a banquet? And this idea of salvation being a, a, a dinner party goes all the way back to the, the prophet Isaiah. The prophet Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 25 speaks about how God will one day intervene and put everything to right. He will swallow up death forever, wipe away tears from all faces, and he will prepare a banquet, a feast of rich food and the best meats and the finest wines. Doesn't that sound great? And so the picture of salvation is of a banquet. People coming to enjoy a banquet. People from all nations, all people from all nations coming and enjoying a, the banquet of God. Now that's, that's an important point. Isaiah has a vision of all people from all nations being invited, coming and enjoying this banquet. All people from all nations. But by the time of Jesus, most Jews had rejected the idea that foreigners, that non-Jews, would enjoy God's banquet. God's banquet was for Jews only. In fact, not even all Jews would be invited. Only the perfect, only the religious, only the righteous would be included. The, the imperfect would be excluded. The blind, the poor, the lame, the crippled, they would be excluded. The, the, the social outcasts would be excluded. The immoral, the prostitute, the tax collectors, they too all would be excluded. Only the righteous, only the religious would be invited. In fact, there was, was a particular religious group known as the Pharisees who wouldn't even hang out with non-Jews and social outcasts in case they might become contaminated with, with their sin. See, they, they believed that they were to hang out with social outcasts, then they too would become a social outcast, so they wouldn't hang out with them. They would only hang out with other religious guys just like themselves. Everyone else was beneath them. And they definitely would not eat with them. Now, eating a meal in the Middle East was a, a big deal. I mean, for us, we, we will eat with anyone and everyone, especially if they're paying. But in the Middle East, it was a big deal. It, 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 it signified a, a very deep friendship, a, an acceptance, 
A very real fellowship of sharing one another's lives with each other. So it was a big deal. Very rarely would you eat a meal with someone of a different social class. But on such an occasion, you would sit in order of rank. So the person of the lowest social class would be sitting right down at the bottom of the table, if not at a separate table altogether. But they would definitely never, ever eat with non-Jews or social outcasts. And so these guys, these Pharisees, believed that, well, if they would never, ever eat with non-Jews and social outcasts, then, well, of course, God would never eat with them at his banquets. And everything was going just fine until Jesus arrived on the scene. And he was hanging out with the wrong type of people. With the poor, with women, with cripples, with the lame, with the blind, even the morally corrupt. And he was even eating with them. And so we read in Luke chapter 14 in verse 1, one Sabbath, When Jesus went to eat at the house of a prominent Pharisee, he was being carefully watched. So Jesus most likely had just been teaching at the local synagogue, and afterwards these religious guys, these Pharisees, invite Jesus over for a meal to test him. See, they don't like what he's been teaching. They don't like the way he's been behaving. He's been hanging out with the wrong type of people. And so they've invited him over in order to put pressure on him to conform to their understanding, their way of behaving. How's Jesus going to respond? Well, we read in verse 12. Then Jesus said to the host, When you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or sisters, your relatives or your rich neighbors If you do, they may invite you back, and so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Okay, firstly, Jesus assumes you are going to host the banquet. He doesn't say, if you host, he says, when you give a banquet. He assumes you're going to throw dinner parties, and and it's good to throw dinner parties. And be generous. You know, uh, be generous with the menu. Uh, Bless your guests with good food and good drink, and have a good party. It's good to have dinner parties. But secondly, Jesus says, don't just be generous with the menu, but also be generous with with the guest list. Don't just invite your friends. Do invite your friends, but don't just invite your friends. Also invite the people that everyone else excludes, that no one else invites. The poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind. In that day, they were excluded. They they weren't even able to participate, fully participate in the worship at the temple. They were, they were seen as unloved and cursed by God. And so they would never, ever be invited to a Pharisee's dinner party. I can just imagine the scene, Jesus reclining at the table, looking at all the other guests. And all he can see is a bunch of religious guys, middle class, respectable, 
men. And he's thinking, where the woman? Where the poor? Where the crippled? Where the lame? Where the blind? Where's the homeless guy? Where's the drunk? Where's the drug addict? Where's the gays? Where's the, the elderly? The lonely? Why aren't they here? Why haven't they been invited? You see, if you just invite your friends, you'll have a really nice dinner party. You'll have a great time. But you will be repaid. They will probably invite you back to their dinner party. They'll return the favor. And so what Jesus is saying over here is if you invite those who are normally excluded, who are normally marginalized, who are normally never invited, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Okay, what is the resurrection of the righteous? Well, in their age to come, at the end of time, those who have been faithful to Jesus will rise from the dead and will experience new life with God for all eternity. And so what Jesus is saying is if you invite those outcasts, the social outcasts and the poor and all the others who aren't normally invited, if you invite them for dinner, then God will repay you at his banquet in the age to come. And so Jesus has just criticized their guest list. There's tension in the air. And so one of the religious guys puts up his hand. There's always one guy who tries to remove the awkwardness and, and just makes it more awkward. And we read in verse 15, When one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, Blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Now the feast in the kingdom of God is, is that, that end time banquet of God. And of course this guy thinks that, it just assumes that of course he and all of his friends, all the Pharisees, of course they're going to be there. However, you know, these guys that Jesus wants them to invite, well, don't think they're going to be invited. Now the traditional response when someone says, blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God, is to say, the traditional response would be to say, oh Lord, may we be among the righteous. May we be worthy, counted worthy to eat at your banquet. That's the traditional response, and that's the response this guy is expecting from Jesus. How does Jesus respond? Well, not with the traditional response. Jesus responds by telling a parable, a pointed story, a story that makes a point. And uh, he says in verse 16, Jesus replied, A certain man was preparing a great banquet and inviting many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. Okay, within that culture, there, there was a double invitation. You would send out the first invitation to all the guests, and they would RSVP. They would reply and say, Yes, we come in, we'll be there. Then, and only then, when you know the number of people who are coming you would begin to make all the preparations uh, of actually getting the food, you know, actually uh, slaughtering the animal and, and preparing the, 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 the meat, cooking the meat. It, it was a massive task. You couldn't just pop down into Tesco's and buy some meat. There weren't uh, uh, you know, freezers and gas stoves. So it's a massive task, big undertaking. Once you've got everything ready, 
you then send out the second invitation to those guests who have replied to say they come in, and you say, come, for everything is now ready. And those guests would come. You know, to, and if you had said you were coming, you were obliged to come. I mean, it would be extremely rude to not come. It would be a huge insult to not come. But then the most shocking thing happens in this story. We read in verse 18, But they all alike began to make excuses. All of them, all the guests together, started making excuses. Now, a last-minute excuse in any culture leaves a bad taste. But in that culture, it was a huge insult to the host. And to make it even worse, all the excuses were lame. They were lame excuses. We read in verse 18, the first said, I have just bought a field, I must go and see it, please excuse me. That's just a lie. No one in the Middle East would buy a field without knowing every square inch of that field like the palm of his hand. I mean, you had to know exactly what you were buying in order to fix a price. And that would only happen after a very long process of negotiation. I mean, no one buys a field without seeing it. It would be like saying, oh, I've just, bought, I've just bought a house over the phone. I better go and see what it looks like. I mean, it's crazy. It, it's a lame excuse. And in a culture that values personal relationship above anything else, this guy is saying the field is more important to me than our relationship. That's a huge insult. Verse 19, another said, I have just bought five yoke of oxen. I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Again, that's a lame excuse. You would first test the strength and the ability of the oxen to work together as a team before you even started negotiating the price. So you definitely would have tried them out way before you bought the oxen. It's a lame excuse. And he's saying, the oxen are more important to me than our relationship. It's a huge insult. And then we get the lamest of all excuses. Verse 20. Still another said, I just got married so I can't come. What? Oh yes, of course. We, we all know how wives hate to get dressed up and go to dinner parties. I mean, they just hate it, putting on these beautiful dresses, eating all this wonderful food and drinking all this wine. They just, they just hate it. They just want to stay at home and watch TV. Right? No, that's a lame excuse. I, no, I mean, it doesn't even make sense. Uh, it's like, oh, I can't come. Um, um, oh, I've got a wife. It doesn't make any sense. Uh, you know, and by the way, in the Greek, it doesn't actually have the word just. It just says, I'm married. But even if this guy had just got married, it wouldn't have been on that day. I mean, there's no way the host would have organized a banquet on the same day that, a, that there was a wedding taking place in the village. And then furthermore, why did he RSVP, yes, I'm coming? Why did he say he was coming? If that was the case. So this is just a lame excuse. It's, um, yeah, I can't come. Uh, I've got a wife. And he doesn't, even, he doesn't even say, please excuse me. 
You notice the other two guys, they said, they least said, please excuse me. He doesn't even say that. He just says, can't come, got a wife. It's just an insult. An absolute insult. At this point in the parable, those who are listening, the religious guys, the Pharisees, they're starting to get the point. They are the guys who are looking forward to eating at the banquet of God. They have all RSVP'd. Yes, we're coming. And now Jesus says, come. It's ready. Come. And they're looking at Jesus, and they're thinking, you're not the host we expected. You you don't follow our rules. You, you, You don't act like us. And then they start looking at the guest list. We don't like these guys. We don't like this guest list. We don't hang out with those guys. I don't like this party. And so they come up with these lame excuses about why they're not coming. And they reject Jesus. They insult Jesus. They insult God. What about you? Do you want to be experience salvation? You want to experience that massive banquet of God. Jesus says, Come. Come. It's ready. Come, follow me. Come, have fellowship with me. Come, love all people. Come, value all people. Help all people, especially the poor, the marginalized, the blind, the crippled. Those who get excluded, those who, who, who don't get invited, those the, the foreigners, the immigrants. And you're thinking, I'm not sure about this host. I'm not sure about him. I'm definitely not sure about this guest list. And you start making up a whole lot of excuses about why you don't have to love those people. Value those people. Help those people. I mean, how do we know they're not lying to us? They could be taking advantage of our generosity. How do we know they haven't just come here to to sponge off us? And we insult Jesus. Now these guests, these religious guys, these Pharisees, they think that the party cannot go ahead without them. They they think if they collectively all refuse to go to the banquet, the banquet cannot happen. The the host would just be sitting there all by himself, embarrassed, humiliated. And so we read, and this is the, the, the shocking point, In the parable, this is the turning point in the parable. We read in verse 21, the servant came back and reported this to his master and the owner of the house became angry and rightly so. He's just been humiliated, but he doesn't respond in vengeance, but with grace. And he ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and the alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind and the lame. He's determined to make sure the banquet will go on. And he invites all the social outcasts whom the religious guys had excluded. And he invites them. Now, that is scandalous. 
in that culture. Absolutely scandalous. A wealthy, an ancient wealthy guy would never ever invite the poor and the crippled and the blind, the lame. He'll never ever invite social outcasts into his house for meal. Never. It's scandalous. Yet that is what God does. And these guys have absolutely no way of repaying him. They have no way to repay him. But God still invites them. It's called grace. It's called love. It's a free gift to undeserving guests. It's free. But it's costly. It costs the host his reputation and his social standing amongst the social elite. All the original guests would be taunting him. Look, you can't even hold a, a banquet without inviting all the riffraff. But God is prepared to suffer humiliation in order to offer grace and love to all people. Verse 22, Sir, the servant said, What you ordered has been done, but there is still room. There's still more room. Verse 23, Then the master told his servant, Go out to the roads and the country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. The roads and the country lane is implying that they need to go outside the city, beyond the city. They need to go to the foreigners, to the non-Jews. And we discover that even the non-Jews are invited and included. And he tells the servants to compel them. Now that doesn't mean that we physically, they are to physically force them to come against their will. It means that they really, really have to persuade them that this invitation is true. I mean, imagine all of a sudden you receive an unexpected and a very generous invitation to go to a great banquet from a foreigner in a different city. I mean, you're going to need a lot of persuasion that this invitation is genuine. Wow. That's unbelievably generous. Are you sure this is for me? I mean, I, I've never done anything for this guy. I've got absolutely no way to repay him for this, this kindness. And the servant had to say, yes, yes, it is for you. And, and it's free. Just come and enjoy. And in the Middle Eastern culture, it's, even more, it's needed even more so because within the Middle Eastern culture, if you receive an unexpected invitation, especially an unexpected invitation from someone of a higher social standing, you are expected to refuse that invitation as a matter of honor. Even if you're starving, you need to refuse that, that invitation. And you need to keep on refusing that invitation until you are compelled to go. Compelled by them gently grabbing your arm with a smile and leading you into the house. And the reason why they have to do this is so that the house will be full. The house will be full. It's going to be a grand success. There's not going to be a seat available even without the original guests. 
And this is how the parable ends. It ends with the host sending his servants out to everyone, to all people of all nations, and telling them, come, come to my banquet. And today, God is still calling us and inviting us, come, come and enjoy my banquet. And then Jesus says right at the end, in verse 24, I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. God is inviting all people from all nations to come and enjoy His banquet. And and it's free, which is a good thing because none of us could afford the price. None of us, not even the, the most religious guy could afford the price. It's free. But not everyone who is invited will enjoy the banquet. Those who reject Jesus' offer, those who refuse to have fellowship with Jesus, will disqualify themselves. They will exclude themselves. And if we reject Jesus' offer, and if we refuse to have fellowship with Jesus, then we too will disqualify ourselves. We will exclude ourselves. The way to ensure that you're included is to receive Jesus' offer, is to have fellowship with Him. One of the ways we do that, one of the ways we, we symbolize our fellowship with Jesus is by taking communion together, by eating and drinking together in the presence of Jesus as a foretaste of that great Banquet of God. Another way where we symbolize our fellowship with Jesus is by being generous with our guest list. By inviting the poor and the marginalized, by inviting those who are normally excluded to come and have dinner with you. And by doing that, we identify with Jesus. So let's continue to have communion together. And let's be generous with our guest list. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we thank you that you do invite us to your banquet, that you invite us to come and enjoy fellowship with you. And Father, sometimes we confess that we do struggle with the guest list and we look at some of the people and we think, Father, I really struggle to to love them. I really struggle to include them. Father, won't you forgive us? Won't you give us a heart of Jesus that values everyone, values every person no matter what? Help us to have that heart. Help us to reach out and love all people. And in so doing, have real fellowship with Jesus. Father, we can't do that by ourselves. And so we pray that by your Holy Spirit, you would empower us and enable us. And Father, sometimes Jesus doesn't fit our comfort zone. Sometimes Jesus doesn't fit all the way we like to do stuff. And he challenges us and we find it awkward. But Father, let us respond to Jesus. Let us come to Jesus, accept his invitation. And let us have real fellowship with him. And so Father, we pray right now that you would come by your Holy Spirit and fill our lives. That we would have that fellowship with you. And we declare that we want to follow you. We want to have fellowship with you. We want to love you and we want your love to be a channel through us.
to all people, especially those who are normally excluded. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about Abergavenny Baptist Church, please visit our website at abergavennybaptist.co.uk.